This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. Hey there, so good to be with you today. I'm really honored and excited to do these podcast teachings. I've been wanting to for some time, and it's going to be a great time in the Word of God. So why don't we get started in prayer? I'm coming to you straight from actually my study, my prayer room here at my house, and I've wanted to share with you uh, so much of what the Lord's been giving me as He allows me. And so this is a great platform for me to do that. So be sure to subscribe to these podcasts monthly. Uh, You'll also want to subscribe to all of our social media, Michael Culianos on Facebook and Jesus Image. Instagram is both Michael Culianos and Jesus Image. And then um, all of the other platforms we are up, Twitter and all that good stuff. So this is a great way for you to stay connected. Why don't we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your glory and for your beauty and for your faithfulness. And Jesus, I pray that you would show us how wonderful you are, how beautiful you are. Holy Spirit, you're the one who does this. It's your desire and your pleasure to show us Jesus. And so, Lord, I I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would flow and be completely free to touch us. And Lord, if you want to take this teaching and mess it up and take it another way, you are more than welcome. I thank you for miracles and signs and wonders. As I teach the word, I thank you, Father, for healings. I thank you, Father, for hearts on fire for you. I thank you for people coming to Jesus and laying their lives down at the cross as they hear the beauty of your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you don't mind, would you take your Bibles to uh, John chapter 5? We're going to begin in verse 37 and end in verse 40. What I like to do in these initial teachings is kind of let you into my own heart and into my own daily time with the Lord, specifically uh, regarding how I read the Scriptures. And I hope it blesses you, and hopefully it's something that you can take home and use. Verse 37, Jesus is, is addressing the Pharisees, and he says, And the Father himself who sent me, has testified of me, you have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. Verse 39, and this is going to be our staple verse, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, that you are not willing to come to me, that you may have life. What I'd like to touch on today is the fact that it is possible to read your Bible and not experience the Word. 
The Bible is not about the Bible. The Bible is about Jesus. Church is not about church. Church is about Jesus. The Word of God is not paper and ink. Now, I love the Scriptures. You know that. I'm teaching you from the Scriptures. But it's important we understand the heartbeat of the Scriptures and why God gave them to us. And Jesus answers that question for us here uh, in verse 39. He says, these are they, the Scriptures, that speak of me. So friend, God gave us the Bible so that we would experience Jesus. And the Bible becomes the Word when we read our Bible with the Holy Spirit. The Bible is from the Holy Spirit. The Bible comes through the Holy Spirit in, into our hearts. And the Bible is about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is crazy about Jesus. What, is that, what does that mean? It means that you can hear the Word and it not be in your heart. And that's what Jesus says here uh, in verse 38, he says, you, you do not have his word abiding in you. But clearly these Pharisees had memorized the scriptures. In fact, they had memorized the entire Torah. So it is absolutely possible to memorize scripture and not have his word abiding in you. How does that happen? Well, mainly it happens because some people would like to know their, their, their scriptures and not know the Lord intimately. And, and that, that is exactly what Jesus points out here. He says, And the Father himself, verse 37, who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. But you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent him you do not believe. So having the word abiding in you depends on acknowledging the one the word speaks about the one whom the father sent jesus again there are theologians and historians who know more bible than most preachers but they don't know jesus and the lord did not give us the bible so that we would have an intimate relationship with our bible alone he gave us the Bible so we would meet the one who lives in its pages. Now the difference is this. When you read the Bible and say something like this in your heart, Holy Spirit, this is your word. It's alive. Speak to me. Show me Jesus as I read. Now please don't misunderstand me. You need your Bible. You need the word of God. But I tell you unequivocally, if you don't have a desire to meet Jesus as you read your Bible, you are wasting the reason God gave you the Bible. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to experience Him. So God has preserved His Word so that man would meet God. God has preserved the Scriptures so that man would meet God. And that's the Lord's heart and desire. That as you Open your Bible. Don't come to your Bible. Come to Jesus through your Bible. And that makes all the difference in the world. So Jesus says clearly here, 
that you think you'll find life in the Scriptures to the Pharisees. But the Scriptures speak of me, he says. These are they which testify of me. We've all met and encountered people that we love who use the Word of God to cause division, to spew hatred, to hurt people, to break up the church, to argue and debate. And the Lord never gave us the scriptures so that we would argue and debate. The Lord gave us the scriptures so that they would bring life to our soul, setting our hearts on fire for Jesus, and renewing our mind, and and giving our faith food. But I'll tell you, if you don't meet Jesus while you're reading the Word, those negative fingerprints will be in your life, being argumentative, debating, and using the Scriptures to puff yourself up, glorying in how much Bible you know, rather than how much like Jesus and how much of the cross has come your way. So, Hebrews chapter 1, let's turn there. I'd like you to mark, however, John 5. Go ahead and mark that. You're going to hear a lot of pages turning because this is just a, an organic Bible study that I'm going to do here with you. Straight, straight from my prayer room at home. Hebrews 1 says this, verse 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past, to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he has also made the worlds. Well, let's stop and look, look back at verse 1 here. The scripture basically says here, in various times prior to Jesus, God has spoken to us through the prophets. So all the prophets in the scriptures, major and minor, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Habakkuk, Moses, all of the all of the prophets, David, Solomon. He has spoken to us through the scriptures in the old covenant. In verse two, he says, "But as in these last days spoken to us by His Son," or another way to read that is, "Has spoken Son to us." That's how another translation would read that. So, God's message for the world is His Son. In fact, that is the only sermon God has ever spoken, God the Father. It's the only sermon He has ever spoken in the New Testament. This is my Son. He said that on Mount Tabor. This is my Son. That's the Mount of Transfiguration, by the way. Hear ye Him. Remember when Peter, James, and John were like, you know what, we don't know what to do. We see Jesus here with Moses and Elijah. There's a cloud of glory, a complete theophany. A theophany is when all members of the Godhead are being revealed uh, in in one moment. It's this beautiful, beautiful theophany. And I should say a theophany is God being revealed. It's a beautiful theophany. The voice of the Lord coming through the cloud. The cloud is the Holy Spirit. The voice of the Father and His glory within the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus right there. What a scene. And then Moses and Elijah are there. And, you know, sometimes the presence of God exposes our lack of experience in the glory of God. 
And sometimes we just say stuff because we're just so uncomfortable. It's not that we're bad, we just we don't know what to do with it. And sometimes the silence of the Lord challenges us and stretches how much like Jesus we really are. And so Peter's like, I know what we'll do. We'll build the we'll build the tabernacle. Let us build a tent for Moses and Elijah. And the Lord, the Father, is very clear in his response. He says, This is my son. Yeah, Moses and Elijah are awesome. They're great. I'm sending them, I've sent them to you. They're obviously my friends for them to be able to speak to Jesus regarding his death that was coming in Jerusalem. But there's one who stands alone. There's only one who's worthy to open the scrolls, and his name is Jesus. So the father's very clear. He says, This is my son, hear ye him. Again, at the river Jordan, the father speaks again when Jesus is baptized by John. Here we have the greatest prophet in the history of the world, John, who is entrusted to baptize the son of God in water, God himself. And the heavens open and the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove and the Father makes that point again. He said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Again, Jesus is preaching in the book of John in the temple courts. And as he preaches, God speaks, it sounds like thunder to, to, uh, to the crowd. Some knew he had spoken, some thought it was thunder. The scriptures tell us that the Lord endorses his son right there as the Lord asks him to glorify his name. So the father is passionate and committed to glorifying the name of Jesus. Again, let, let, why don't we turn to uh, Luke 24. Luke 24 verse 25, this is the road to Emmaus account. It's an amazing passage. Post-resurrection, Jesus appears to two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus. And the Bible says, um, you know, let's, why don't we start uh, in verse, yeah, for the sake of time, we'll just start in verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Okay? Beginning at Moses, that's actually Genesis, beginning in Genesis. And all the prophets, major and minor, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. This is a post-resurrected Jesus here, okay? And he's having a Bible study with the two on the road to Emmaus. And he begins to open the scriptures to them. That's what the Bible says. He expounds the scriptures. In other words, pulls them open, unlayers them, opens them up, and speaks to them the things concerning himself. The scriptures speak of Jesus. Why am I starting with this? Because it's very important you understand foundationally that the scriptures are about the Son of God. It is the Father's desire through the Bible 
to show the world in all of the different translations and all of the all of the, the projects and all of the people who've translated scriptures and died to do it. God's desire in doing it all is so that man would find the beauty of his son. It's the Lord's desire. So Genesis to Revelation is about Jesus. Jesus did not show up in the book of Matthew in the scriptures. Now, in the flesh, he obviously showed up that Christmas night. But the Lord has, is, is, is the fabric of the Old Covenant too. I mean, he's the one there walking in the garden. When the, when, when, when the Father wrapped Adam and Eve with animal skins, the inside of those animal skins would have been covered in blood. They were most likely lamb skins. So this was a picture of the father. One day, the moment Adam and Eve failed, the father could not wait to reveal the saving plan of his, of his son or that he had in sending his son. So he wrapped them in the blood of the lamb. Speaking of Jesus. And it's, it goes throughout, throughout the old covenant. I, as, I've, as you've probably heard me teach before, Noah's Ark is not about an ark. It's about Jesus. He's the ark. He's the one. He's the one who is our ark. He's our safety. When the flood tides of the world come and bring death, we can rest in the ark. The, Jesus himself, his actual body, the God-man, we can rest in him. And his work on the cross and the fact that he's alive today and that he's, that he's been raised, that he's eternally resurrected and his life itself, we can rest in that ark. Notice that ark is covered in wood. Speaking of the cross. Notice it's sealed together with pitch, with, 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 with a, a glue, with, with, with a, an ancient type glue. Speaking of Jesus, that in him all things consist, that he holds all things together. Notice the ark has a window on the side of the ark. Speaking of the side of Jesus one day being pierced. That, that, that the ark himself would hang on a cross. And that his side would be pierced. And what flew out of that ark in, in Genesis chapter 6? What flew out? The dove. The dove flew out of that ark. And that's Noah released a dove. Who would come back eventually with an olive branch and as the holy spirit when jesus was pierced would would he is he's the dove remember when he was pierced that water and blood came out spirit and salvation the washing of the word the washing of the spirit and the blood the life of god that that would flow out of jesus that his spirit would be released as his side was pierced it's a prophetic picture of all that in fact the bible says that that, that, that Adam became a living soul when God breathed into him. And I believe that's the moment where, where, where Adam's blood began to form and was become filled with the presence of God. A picture of Jesus releasing the Holy Spirit on the church and washing the church in the water of the word and cleansing the church with the blood of Jesus. So that's all a picture of Jesus. We see it again with, with Adam 
when the when the father says it's not good that man be alone adam had everything he needed and had the all of creation was his on the earth i should say he could name every animal do whatever he wanted as long as it was within within the bounds the lord had given him and adam obviously chose to fail but prior to that the father said though you have everything you need more and and it's it's not good that you be alone and so he put adam to sleep and the bible says he reached into his rib and pulled it's into his side opened his side pulled out a rib and he formed eve from that rib and notice god did not breathe into eve he only breathed into adam I mean, her breath was actually his breath, and his breath was her breath. That's the union of the Lord we're talking about. What is that speaking of? Well, Adam being put to sleep is speaking of Jesus. One day he would die in the hands of the Father. You know, the Bible says that Adam fell asleep, and imagine him just laying there in the hands of, 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 of his Creator. No different than Jesus saying, Not my will, but thy will be done. As he trusts his life into the hands of the Father, and he dies on a cross and his side is open. And God the Father reaches into Adam's side and opens that and forms Eve, as I said earlier. That's what happened with Jesus. As his side was opened from that side, that wound in his side that would lead into his heart, from the heart of Jesus, the church, today's Eve, the bride of Christ. Eve was a picture of the church. And that God would birth the church from the side of his son, Jesus. And the breath that flows through Jesus, the Holy Spirit himself, is now our breath. So we literally receive the breath of God just as Eve received the breath of Adam. It's all about Jesus, the whole thing. All of it is about Jesus. I believe that Melchizedek is is a, is a theophany. I believe that that's a picture of Jesus. That it was Jesus coming because he was greater than Abraham and he was the, the priest of Salem or the prince of peace. And, I, and he came with bread and wine to celebrate the covenant. I believe that's a foreshadowing of Jesus to come. Notice Abraham gave him a tithe. Notice Melchizedek had no beginning as far as genealogy is concerned. We only knew where he was from, from the city of peace. And I believe that obviously Melchizedek is greater than Abraham and he blessed him as Paul teaches us in the book of Hebrews. But the point is this, it's about Jesus. You know, the tabernacle is not about a tent. <laughs> God's not interested in giving us camping advice. He, it's, it's not what this is all about. Or God is not interested in, in making sure that we become master embroiderers. Or, you know, of course he gifts us with these things, but well, he's after something deeper. He's after revealing Jesus to us. And so the, the tabernacle is a picture of Jesus. John chapter 1 says that, that he came and dwelt among us. That word actually is tabernacle. That he came to tabernacle among us. Jesus is God's tabernacle. And I don't have time to get into it right now, but maybe I can sometime. We can do maybe a series on the tabernacle. But the gate is four colors, red, Right? It's 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 Jesus our 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 led the Lamb of God, the one who's been slain, gold, he is divine, he is God, purple, he is our soon coming king, he reigns forever. 
Blue, he's the heavenly man. White curtains all around the tabernacle speak of the purity of Jesus, that he's absolutely flawless. Now to the world, the world would only see a white square. And to them, it would be very boring. Just like Jesus looks to many before we meet Jesus, very boring. Why would I want to meet Jesus? I'm having so much fun in my life. And so Israel, those who were content being away from the presence of God, just looked at the time like, wow, I know there's something beautiful in there, possibly. I don't have access to the inside. But to us, it's just a white square. It's a boring life. All of this speaks of life in Jesus. Every single bit of the Bible speaks of Jesus. And that's not my opinion. That is directly from the heart of the author himself. And it's where we began this study. Ye search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. So in closing, I want to remind you. Come to him. The actual person. Come directly to him. No matter what you're doing. If you're having a walk, you can look at a tree and say, Oh Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. You wake up in the morning, the sun comes up and warms you or whatever, it gives light. Say, Lord, I thank you that you've been raised. You're alive today. That sun goes down. It's possible to be so one with the Lord that everything happening around you quickens your heart to think of him. It quickens your heart to talk about him. It quickens your heart to talk to him. It reminds you of all he's done. Remember what Jesus said of the Holy Spirit that he would remind us of everything Jesus said. And he can do that in so many ways. When that sun goes down at night, you could say, Jesus, thank you for dying. Thank you so much. Thank you for dying. Every time you feel that cool wind when you're outside, you thank the Lord for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Not that that actual wind is the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that. I'm saying in all and everything around us, including the scriptures, obviously the scriptures, mostly the scriptures, but God is trying to get our attention in so many ways. And so the Bible is about Jesus. So I would, I would encourage you, tomorrow morning when you get up, or tonight if you read the Bible before you go to bed, make it a point in your heart to not be content reading your Bible. Be content by feasting on living bread that is available if you allow the Holy Spirit to be your friend and the one who sits right next to you as you open the Word of God. Let Him do what He loves to do. And just pray a little prayer like this. Say, Holy Spirit, show me Jesus. And maybe you're like, man, what about the Father? Look, the Father is so pleased when you love his son. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 12 to Philip, Philip, you've been with me so long. Don't you understand that seeing me is to see the Father? It's impossible to see the Father without looking at Jesus. 
That's how one they are. And it's impossible to meet the Holy Spirit without meeting Jesus. And it's impossible to meet Jesus without Him telling you about the Father, without him, without him telling you, you need the Holy Spirit if you really want to know me. I needed Him. So there's no jealousy within the Godhead at all. And just rest assured that Jesus is available and can be known. Well, that was an amazing bird sound, bird that just flew right over us. Jesus can be known and wants to be known by you as you open the scriptures and allow him, I should say, to open them for you. Let me pray for you, Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you for everyone listening. I thank you for your healing power that's going forth even now. Lord, I thank you for the promise that you gave us. You said, by his stripes, you are healed. So, Father, I release the healing power of the Holy Spirit into everyone's body. I pray for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit right now. You know, if you're listening, just ask Him to touch you tangibly. Say, Lord, touch me. Touch me. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you next time. Please stay in touch. Be sure to follow us on all the social media platforms. Subscribe for this, to this podcast. Get to Jesus 17. All of the info is available at Jesus17.com and Jesus Image TV. We love you. Talk to you next time.